How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me, as always, is Leonard. This is a webcast and a podcast about wrestling. And sometimes what we do here is we will take a event and we will rebook it ourselves. Um, a lot of times those events are not very critically acclaimed. Maybe uh, fans don't like them or they have a bad reputation one way or the other. What we do is we try to stick to the rosters as they were at the time of the event and we rebook it according to what we would have liked to have seen and what we think might have looked better uh we might have a cheat here or there but uh, generally we try to uh, stick to some semblance of logic and this week we've decided to tackle wrestlemania 4 the uh long wrestlemania at one point and nowadays it's not really the longest obviously but uh, at one point, it was the long WrestleMania. You would go and you would find the uh, double cassette at whatever video rental store you had near you. And uh, it was quite the undertaking to sit and watch it because it was this large tournament for the vacant WWF championship. So let's get into some of the background of the event itself. So it took place March 27th, 1988 at the Atlantic City Convention Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The attendance was 19,199. It did a 6.5 buy rate on pay-per-view. The uh, main event was basically, as I said, one large tournament. It was a 14-man single elimination tournament for the undisputed WWF Heavyweight Championship. And therefore, it was, it was very long because of that. And I mean, these guys had to wrestle many times, depending on how well they advanced. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to read every single match here, uh, because I said there are a lot of them are just, you know, not very long. Uh, but uh, you did have a battle royal where Bad News Brown won by last eliminating Bret Hart. You had a, the Ultimate Warrior defeating Hercules in a singles match. You had Brutus Beefcake defeating the Honky Tonk Man by disqualification. That match was for the Intercontinental title. Obviously, Brutai didn't leave with the title. You had the Islanders and Bobby Heenan defeating the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware in a six-man tag. You had Demolition with Mr. Fuji defeating Strikeforce for the tag team titles. And the tournament would end up being Randy Savage defeating the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in the finals for the vacant WWF title and Hogan came out and helped him celebrate and then launched that storyline leading into the next WrestleMania. So Leonard, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a really tough time with this one. Like not only because like I've been very busy, but like I had a tough time based on your challenge. Yeah. Like, so the had, it, had it not been your challenge, I might've been able to think of something else but like I was stumped on what to do based on your specifications. And I think one of the reasons why I was stumped is because even though this card is long, I don't know that it needed a complete overhaul. I think maybe it just needed some tweaking or shortening. Like maybe some of the tournament takes place on TV and you have the last few rounds on the event itself, making it like a little bit shorter. Um, but I don't know. So what's your thoughts on WrestleMania four? Well, I, I think we differ on that. First of all, I should say that my challenge was coming out of our WrestleMania nine rebook 
was that you had the challenge that we had to include a tournament. And I had mentioned that the last time, and I think the only time WrestleMania ever had a tournament, a one-night tournament, was WrestleMania Four, and how that perceived uh, not to be good uh, because it made the card feel really bloated. A lot of matches were short or had wonky finishes, as we've been talking about. That show had 16 matches on it. Right. Again, long at the time, today, fairly commonplace for a WrestleMania. Right. Um, so, you know, the wrinkle I put in was coming out of uh the uh main event uh the andre giant beat hulk hogan via the twin referee gambit and then he gave the belt to ted dibiase jack tunney stripped uh dibiase the belt and it was vacant leading to the tournament so my thing was hey you have to rebook wrestlemania 4 you can't use the tournament but the title was still vacant Right. So you have to fill that title somehow. So I actually had a lot of fun with this one because, you know, I usually try to book um, fairly logical for the time period. But I threw that all out the window here. <laughs> I've got all kinds of weird stuff. I'm completely left of center here with my rebooking. Um, I'll give you a hint. My subtitle is WrestleMania 4 Multi-Man Mania. Okay. So that that's a hint for what lies ahead for me. I have 11 matches, including a dark match. I have nine matches. So we'll be a little bit different then in, in the order of the matches. So what we'll do is uh, we will have Leonard start with the first two matches. You can just do your first two. All right. So uh, I have a dark match, and that is the Killer Bees of Jumping Jim Burnzel and B. Brian Blair versus the Islanders of Haku and Tama. With Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, WWF had a bunch of great tag teams at this time. If the challenge was book a different tournament, a tag tournament probably would have been the way I would have gone because there are so many great tag teams here. I like both these teams. I just didn't have a place regular card. So I thought to throw them in a dark match and they would probably deliver a real solid opener to get the crowd going. Uh, my first match. Uh, well, do you want to say something about that dark match? Uh, no, no, that's that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. So moving on to my first match proper, which I'm sure you will have a lot to say about. It is a four-man ladder match for the vacant Intercontinental title. <laughs> and why the IC title is vacant, we will get to later on. Uh, but this would pick Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth versus the Natural Butchered with Slick versus Bad News Brown. So... As we talked about with other rebooks, ladder matches existed prior to WrestleMania 10, and a notable one was Bret Hart versus Bad News Allen, later Brown. So that's why I wanted him involved here, because he knows how a ladder match works. And some might know this, that Butch Reed at one point was going to win the Intercontinental title from Ricky Steamboat when he wanted to take time off uh, for his family because his wife was pregnant, but he didn't show up. So the honky-tonk man kind of just got it on a whim. Uh, so that's why I saw him in here. And of course, Steve feuded over the IC belt and had that all-time match at WrestleMania three. So the idea I would have here would be that this match would start kind of almost like a tornado tag where Brown and Reed would team up. So then Savage and Steamboat kind of have to work together by default. So you get that different dynamic of them having to kind of partner to work with these other two guys. Savage definitely hits the elbow off the ladder. Steamboat gets splash off the ladder. Um, as some might know, the original plan was to move the IC belt back to Savage here. The honky-tonk man balked for whatever reason. 
So that's why Randy got the tournament win at the real WrestleMania four. So I would just have Randy Savage win and reclaim the IC title here in, in a four man ladder match, which of course is way, way out of line for the time period, but what the heck. It is, but yeah, what the heck? I mean, I've, I've done a ladder match in one of these rebooks and uh, so I can't quite pick at yours. Um, You see, like this is, this was my, my issue like the match sounds great by the way i think that that would be a terrific match and really entertaining to watch my issue with my card was the savage component because and the fact that we couldn't use a tournament which is kind of what you know catapulted him to the stratosphere like i thought to myself gosh if i take him out of it then you know how do we get to that great storyline leading into wrestlemania 5 which you know i wouldn't want to change for anything and so this was my hiccup in my head so okay. like, you went a different route, obviously, but uh, we'll get to well, you know, what I decided to do. But uh, anyway, your match sounds really good. And uh, even though it probably wouldn't have happened, oh, well, it would have been entertaining. Right, right, right. Again, this is one show where I just kind of threw my logic out the window. Yeah, I have, I have one super, super ultra mega cheat. Um, we'll get there. But uh, all right, well. Fair enough. My, uh, you know, dark match that I just created right now because I forgot to use it. And who am I going to use in my dark match? I have to. I have to use this person. Okay. Every time in my dark match. Who's it going to be, Leonard? Oh, God. I don't. I, I, I'm trying to remember who you've used in dark matches before. Pretty I Paul, don't know. Pretty Paul Roma versus, oh. <laughs> versus the Junkyard Dog. There you go. Uh at this point of his career, the Junkyard Dog, as Jim Ross has talked about many times on his podcast, was not the Junkyard Dog of old and Mid-South, but he could still draw some fans to the arena. So I think that this would be an entertaining match to watch. Uh, Paul Roma, if nothing else, could bump around for him. And uh, I, I think it would be it would be entertaining enough as a dark match. That's that's all I'll say there. <laughs> I didn't use the Young Stallions and or Paul Roma. Uh, so that's why I didn't think of him. But uh, yes, I know you're a big Roma mark. I think yeah, that's fine for a dark match if you still want to have Dog uh, available. I do use him on my main card. Um, so my six, So next up, my second match is actually a six-man tag. And it's Demolition of Axe and Smash and Mr. Fuji. Versus Don Morocco, Ken Patera, and superstar Billy Graham. So in our previous WrestleMania rebooks, we've talked about giving WrestleMania moments to guys from the previous generations, like Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales. I wanted to do that here with Billy Graham. Now, he was retired at this point because of bad hips and ankles. He's had a lot of surgeries, and he was managing Don Morocco at the time. So I figure he can stand on the apron in a six-man. And, and here's my setup. On the episode of Superstars, I would have Axe beat Morocco with interference from Fuji. Later on, Smash is wrestling Patera and Graham prevents Fuji from interfering. That leads to a tag match, possibly on the main event of Demolition versus Patera and Morocco. The managers cause a no contest, and that's how we get the six man here. So Demolition was on their way up. So I would give them the win here, definitely. But I would probably have Graham body slam uh, Fuji or something afterwards to give him that WrestleMania moment. I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, I like the idea of giving people their WrestleMania moments who uh, might not have gotten them as properly as 
they should have. And yeah, I think that he could have stood on the apron and maybe given, you know, an elbow or a punch or two to Mr. Fuji and, you know, you know, get the, uh, the hot tag and the quick pin or something, you know, you could have done something with him. Certainly if he would have been willing to, um, I I certainly would have preferred him to have a moment like this as opposed to being on commentary. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just not, was never a big fan of, of superstar on commentary. Um, but, but yeah, I think that that sounds like a cool match for the period. Absolutely. Um, so let's get to my opening match. So my opening match is going to be Ricky Steamboat versus Greg Valentine in a dog collar match. Oh, so I initially thought, what if Greg Valentine and Rowdy Piper recreated their dog collar match in WWF? Now I, they did it in NWA and it is one of the famous matches of both careers. And it was re- it's really great if anybody has seen it. Um, the idea of WWF doing a dog collar match, who knows? But it, the match was around. And uh, I thought to myself, it makes more sense for it to be Ricky Steamboat and Greg Valentine because that was supposed to be a feud coming out of WrestleMania 4. Um, Steamboat lost his tournament uh, match to Greg Valentine. They were supposed to go on to have a series of matches, but Ricky Steamboat left. So that didn't happen, obviously. So it would have been cool to see like this feud, maybe if it started a little bit earlier and had a bigger blow off here. I think that uh, it would be interesting to have this kind of, maybe not a bloodbath, but a bloody match to open a WrestleMania would be interesting to see, especially in this era where a lot of kids are watching. Um, why not scar the kids for life? Who, you know, let's just go all out, right, Leonard? Right. Hey, I was an NWA kid, so I was scarred. We got we got the blood, the guts over there. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really cool idea. I don't know if I would use that to open a card with. That feels like a later down. But again, I, I'm opening with a four-man ladder match, so I have no room to talk. But I think we're both definitely wanting to do a gimmick to wake up the crowd. And yeah, I think this is, is something where you would want to start the Valentine Steamboat feud earlier to... to I would, I would, something like this would be a blow off, but I, I like the idea. I like the fact that Valentine has experience in a match like this. So that would help Steamboat, who wasn't necessarily a brawler, but he could work different styles. So Ooh. I'm trying to picture this match in my head and it's a, it's a cool visual. So my next matchup is uh, the winner here is going to get a future WWF world title shot. And I'll explain why as we go along. But it's Bam Bam Bigelow with Sir Oliver Humperdinck versus Dino Bravo with Frenchie Martin. So as a kid, I love Bam Bam Bigelow. He has such a unique look. He did great stuff for his size. And he got a big push as a rookie and then kind of disappeared, you know, as far as WWF goes. And apparently there were some tensions backstage. Uh, some guys never liked him um, because he got pushed early. Uh, you know, some stuff with the Hogan thinking he could steal a spot as the big baby face. So I want to give Bigelow a push, and I'm going to do that on the show by having him win this uh, match for uh, a world title shot in the future. You know, Bravo is a big, beefy guy um, that Bigelow can certainly throw around and look good doing so. So, I mean, I wouldn't call this a squash, but I would definitely call it a dominant performance for, for Bam Bam. I like it. Um, we both have you know similar ideas well similar i will say not the same but using bam bam bigelow maybe in a more prominent um position sure but i i like that um i think you know it would be a good strong man match i think mm-hmm. um which again i had a similar approach but uh 
So my second match is a match that I kept the same. And I debated this, but uh, it's Demolition versus Strike Force for the tag team titles. And the reason I kept it the same is because I just, Demolition was on a tear here. They were really, really popular. And I can't see them being out of the title picture. Uh, I, I tried to put different a different team in there, but I was like, well, you know, these guys had their time in the sun. You know, they, you know, I, I like, I think that this was a good match from the card. Uh, it was a good match to, you know, obviously it would lead to, uh, strike force issues down the road uh so yeah I, I kept this one the same simply because i think it worked for what it was yeah if i was going to keep it match the same that probably would have been it you'll see what i'm going to do with the tag titles in a bit it, it in in my head in my in my head cannon coming out of the show i probably would do demolition versus strike force at SummerSlam and have demolition win there so i'm just pushing it out Right, right, right. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, no, no problem with keeping that match. So my next bout is the Ultimate Warrior versus the Iron Sheik. Total squash for the Warrior. A minute, minute and a half, get him over big. Uh, Sheik had come back to the WWF at this time, but wasn't doing much. They were barely using him on television. Uh, he was doing some house shows, and he would wind up leaving over the summer. But he was certainly a name people knew. He's a former world champion. So with Warrior being on the rise and a guy that they definitely wanted to get over, hey, a quick squash over a former world champion at WrestleMania, why not? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I used the Warrior in a different spot, but mm -hmm. uh, but this would have been a good spot for him as well. Um, you got to use the Warrior somehow here. Yeah. Um, so my next match is rowdy rowdy piper versus king harley race so uh piper wasn't used here uh you know he always he was doing his own thing but mm -hmm. uh i think that it would have been cool to see these two guys go at it uh you know when they were both in their nwa days maybe it would have been a better match uh mm -hmm. as harley was nearing the end of his career but uh, Harley did have some some highlights in in WWF as this character, and I think it would have been cool to see these two go at it. Uh, you know, I might have Piper go over, uh, but uh, you know, either or, I don't really think it matters here. Um, I initially thought about doing a cheat here too, and having you know Jerry Lawler come in and have them do like a King of Wrestling oh. type match. You know, I thought about, I thought about doing that, but I have a different cheat that I use later, so I didn't want to use too many cheats here. <laughs> like too many blatant cheats um so i was like well who, you know i but i think the, the promos for this would have been great if you allowed harley to go you know off on his own and certainly piper you know his mic work you know is, speaks for itself so yeah and the fact that bobby heenan was also with race and and could do promos as well and actually piper and race did wrestle in the late 1970s when when um race was nwa world heavyweight champion so they knew each other right uh so so there was history there of course wwf back then never would mention this the history that they had right uh but but the fact that they did know each other and i agree with you a hundred percent as you'll see later mm -hmm. uh but my next bout i have is the junkyard dog versus greg the hammer valentine with jimmy hart these are just two dudes i thought needed to be on the card uh, you know, JYD is a solid face, as you talked about. 
he wasn't the JYD of old, but people still popped for him. Valentine was always a solid heel. Valentine was a little more technical, but I think they wrestle a similar style or could wrestle kind of a, a brawly power wrestler type of style with each other. Um, Dog was on his way out. Valentine would still stick around for several more years. So I would have him win most likely by, by cheating to save Dog a little bit of face, but I would put uh, Greg over here. I like it. Yeah, those are two guys you definitely need to have on the card. And uh, Greg Valentine, you know, I wish that he would have been used you know, better throughout his career. He certainly had a lot of good, good matches, but I always liked his work. Yeah. I mean, early, early on in his WWE career, of course he was the IC champion and I know he had um, a good feud with Bob Backlund over the world title. So yeah, I think it was just when it came into the rock and wrestling era, because Greg didn't have that pizzazz. He was a solid hand to keep around, but, but they didn't push him like they did, you know, like pre 85. Right. Um, so my next match is another tag match. It is the Killer Bees versus the British Bulldogs. Um, I wanted to use both these teams. I think the Killer Bees. I think you mentioned it earlier. Like yeah. you know, they, they, they could have, they should have been, you know, out there a little bit more. Um, I think it would have been cool to see them have a really good, fast-paced match with the British Bulldogs, who you know were a great team that could be stiff and really work hard. And I, I think these two teams put it could have put on a really good match and as you mentioned the tag division in this era of wwf was was really really great i mean just earlier in uh, in late 87 they would have the first survivor series more on that later um they have the first survivor series where it would be like a 10 team a 10 man tag i think however there was like you know there was the ring was literally surrounded by 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 teams yeah i think so yes yeah it was 10 10 teams, of, what was it, five on five, 10 teams, so 20 guys. Right, 20, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so that that's that's my match. I think I think that would have worked. Yeah, I like I like both those teams. As, as I said, you just said, a lot of great tag teams, so you could do a bunch of really cool tag matches. And uh, here's what I did with the tag titles, and again, it's me going way outside. Uh, it is an elimination four corners tag team match for the WWF titles. Uh, champions strike force at Tito Santana, Rick Martel versus the British Bull, Meat Boy Smith, and Dynamite Kid versus the Hart Foundation of Bret Hart and Jimmy Hart and Jim Hart and Jim Nightheart with Jimmy Hart and the Rougeau brothers of Jacques and Raymond. So, um, we mentioned on the original show there was a battle royal where Bad News Brown beat Bret Hart, and that sowed uh, the seeds for a face turn for Bret Hart later in the summer and Hart Foundation in general, and Jimmy Hart would start managing the Rougeau brothers after that. So I would start that here. You know the meme of the guy walking down the street holding hands with a woman, and he's looking back at the girl walking the other direction? That girl's the Rougeau brothers, the dude is Jimmy Hart, and the myth girlfriend is the Hart Foundation. <laughs> so I would have Jimmy Hart talking with the Rougeaus and helping them, and the Hart Foundation being like, what the hell, Jimmy? And this causes a distraction that would get them eliminated first. And Hart doesn't go back with them. He's like, I'm gonna stay out here with the Rougeos. I'm gonna hang out with the Rougeos. So he would stay out there, but they would get eliminated next. And then we get down to strike for strike force versus the British Bulldog. So I think that's a dream match. And this is a scenario where you can get a face versus face bout. Um, you know, it may not be a long sequence to in in the the bout. 
but I think it would be really cool to see those four guys in the ring opposite each other, working with each other. Uh, and I would keep the belts on strike forces. I mentioned a little earlier, I would probably keep the belts on them until SummerSlam and then have them drop to demolition. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a fantastic match to watch. And uh, I do like the idea of a strike force getting like a really monumental win on a WrestleMania. I, I think that it could have been a really a really good idea. So I, I like that. I think it would have been great to watch. Um, but uh, it, depending on how long the match is, you might already be into your double cassette runtime there, Leonard. That's that, 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 that is true because you, I think you would want to give all these teams again, they were so good. And that's really where my multi-man idea came from was like, I had all these tag teams and I wanted to use them and I go, man, wouldn't it be cool? Like, to me, those were the four best teams WWF probably had technically, you know, at the time. So I was like, man, what if you could just put all four of them together? And that had my gear spinning on doing the whole multi-man thing with the title belts. And that's how I came up with that. So, yeah. And if you think that would be long, wait till we get to the main event. <laughs> well, so we'll get to my next match here, which is for the Intercontinental title. It is the Honky Tonk Man versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So... Mm -hmm. Here's why I went with this. Jim Duggan was going to be pushed to the, you know, the moon, uh, but then he got pulled over with the Iron Sheik, and <laughs> his career got derailed as a result. Um, and anybody that's seen the early days of Jim Duggan knows that he was not nearly as goofy uh, a character, um, much more of a man's man type wrestler, and. Uh, had some really rough and good matches in Mid-South and whatnot. Um, so I think that it would have been cool if you rewrote history, it would have been cool to see him get the IC strap, even for, even for a little bit. And I think it would have been just fine to take the belt off the honky-tonk man. The whole long run that he had in the greatest Intercontinental Championship, if we're rewriting history, I could really – it doesn't matter if that still sticks in my version yeah. of it. So I think it would have been cool to see uh, Duggan get his his moment in the sun. He never really got it. He was always around and always had matches and was always getting the crowd going. But he never really had a title run of any sort. I don't know that I would ever put him in a main event, but I think that he could have been good with a IC title run. And you could still have the Warriors squash him down the road if you really wanted to. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I know I've said this on, I think on numerous read books is that Duggan was always over and that's why I always want to use him because he's over. Uh, and I have no problem with him getting an icy run and you could even do it where he would drop the back belt back to honky tonk and he could still be the greatest international champion of all time, right. get all the days through two stint, something, what have you. Uh, but anyway, my next match involves Duggan, and it's a unique match, I think. It is a foreign object of choice match. Axel <laughs> Jim Duggan with his two by four versus outlaw Ron Bass with his bull whip. So I wanted to use Duggan somehow. Like I pretty much had my card done, and I was looking at who was else on the roster, and I was kind of looking at like thumbnail pictures. And Ron Bass had like his bull whip. I go, ah, here we go. So it would be two by four versus bullwhip. I like the idea of Bass like whipping the two by four out of his hand. I like the idea of Bass having two by four for, for a minute and, and Duggan getting 
the bull whip and them using each other's weapon, et cetera. So, but definitely, yeah, Duggan should get the whim, and I would have him just obliterate the two by four over Bass's back and and get the win here. So again, something a weapons match for the time period, not something they would do, but I'm doing it. So basically, Ron Bass's career is going to end after the two by four, which is a very thick piece of wood, breaks over his back. <laughs> well, you know, maybe it's a gimmick two by four his future endeavors <laughs> yes yeah maybe it's a gimmick two by four maybe maybe they fall to the floor and he gets the, the, the like a fake two by four from maybe it's a rubber two by four there's things you could fix it front yeah. bass is fine you could fix it you're right uh i would like to see that though any weapons match at wrestlemania i'm all for okay. um so we talked about bam bam bigelow my next match is bam bam bigelow versus the ultimate warrior oh so I think that this could have been a good match. And I think that, you know, the warrior got a lot of squashes. And I think that if you didn't give him a squash here, I think that it could have helped him all the more. Uh, and Bam Bam Bigelow, I think would have been a really interesting and somewhat fitting opponent for him. I think that these guys could have really done some interesting stuff around the ring if they really wanted to. Um, and it's a match that I would have liked to have seen. Anyway, I, I think that if you give the Ultimate Warrior a little bit longer of a match, maybe it would help his career in the long run to have him really go over just, you know, by, you know, by a small margin over somebody that was as skilled as Bam Bam was. Make Bam Bam look really good, but have the Warrior go over. You know, we've talked about how Warrior only really looked good against certain opponents. So I'm not sure how Bam Bam would fit into that. I, I like the idea of it. I think it's very unique. I can see the two of them like having a face off or a test of strength at the beginning of the match. Just what that would look like in, in the ring for a WrestleMania. Right. Uh, very cool. Very, very crazy. I, you know, as I said, you know, Bam Bam was just great for his size and the speed that he had. And of course, Warrior was always known for the up tempo type of squash. So I think this could be a fast paced match. I think it could be still relatively short because of how fast paced it could be and still get a lot of work in and still make warrior look look good so you know again we have the same thought we gotta use the warrior and we gotta make him look good but mine was and just give him a squash like he usually did you want to do something more with him so i admire you for that so my next match is king harley race with bobby heenan versus rowdy roddy piper that's funny so this is so i just had it a lot higher on the card because i just felt those two personalities that they could build this or three, if you include Heenan, could build this to be really a match that people would want to see. Absolutely. And I would I would probably put race over just because Piper wasn't going to stick around. You know, Piper. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Attack Heenan or something at the end for fun. Uh, but I would probably get, let race get the, the win here. And again, everything you said, that's why I booked this match. I think uh, they would work good together. I think the promos would be great. And uh, that's why I used it too. Yeah, no, obviously I would I would have loved to have seen this. Uh, it's funny that we both picked that match. Uh, I don't know how often we pick the same matches in our rebuild. It's it's rare. I think it has happened maybe once or twice, but it's rare. Well, my next match is might sound strange, but really isn't strange in the big scheme of things. It would be Bret Hart versus the Blue Blazer. Oh, so obviously wrestlemania 10 bret hart and owen hart had a really classic match and uh you know at this point nobody really knew that the blue blazer was owen hart um at least i think most people didn't know 
Um, so I think it makes sense that maybe Bret Hart would want to help his brother out a little bit. And uh, you could have Bret Hart go over. But again, we know how good they would work together. And I think that this would be a really entertaining match. Obviously, it's Bret in a singles match. He would do that here and there. If you go back in some of the old, like older DVD sets that uh, WWE would release for certain superstars, you would see some of these singles matches that Bret Hart would have, even when he was with the Hart Foundation. Like there's gems out there against Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage. Um, so he would have singles matches uh, on a regular basis, you know, at house shows and whatnot. So I think that this would be cool to see and might even make the WrestleMania 10 build up more interesting if they referred back to this history so yeah i never would have thought to do that uh, i did think about using the blue blazer at one point but i couldn't figure out who to put them against or how to use them so i didn't i never would have thought to do them brett versus owen here <laughs> under under the mask um we know they can put together a fantastic match uh even though owen here was still young and right greenish but a green owen heart is still better than 99 of the dudes today yeah so yeah i think if especially if you gave them some time to go out and work i think this is a match that people would think oh well this is a you know like a, a nacho break match so let me know. match you know that's what people would think oh you know but then if they would stay and watch it they would probably really get into it like this is a show stealer match right definitely. um so this um my sub main is next and it's must win by finisher, DDT versus Rude Awakening, Jake the Snake Roberts with Cheryl Roberts versus Ravishing Rick Rude with Bobby the Brain Heenan. This was actually a stipulation of a match they had on Madison Square Garden house show later on in 1988. I don't know when I first heard about it, but when I did, I thought that was such a great idea. And I can't believe they didn't do it on television or pay-per-view. So both these guys are known for their iconic fit finishers. Building a match around that is a really cool idea. They had one of the hottest feuds at the time. This is one of my favorite feuds of all time between these two guys, just the way that they constructed it and built it. And, uh, you know, quick, quick summary here. Rude would kiss women in the crowd after his matches. He picks a woman one night who refuses because her husband's a wrestler. Turns out to be Jake Roberts. They have a series of matches. Rude puts Cheryl's face on his tights and Jake rips his pants off and they put a big black dot over Rude's private area, which he was wearing a thong, I believe, or something that, that hit everything. And they actually wrestled at WrestleMania 4, but it was like, I believe it was a 15-minute time limit draw, part of the tournament, so that they could, you know, get people through the tournament, basically. Right. They deserve way, way better than that at WrestleMania. That was one so of the big problems with the original card, by the way. Yeah is that there were two prominent non-finishes that took away from it at the end. Right. Anyway. Yeah, and especially this this feud here deserved a, a highlight. So that's why it's my sub-main. I would use this as the blow-off for the feud. And with Jake as the baby face, I would have Jake win via DDT. Yeah, so I, I like this match. This, As you said, this was a great feud. It, it deserved a, a more prominent uh ending uh, and i think that this would have been a great way to do that the way they did it on the original card as you said um you know it just it could have been a lot better they deserved a lot more uh the build-up for this was great uh, you know these guys this was peak both of these guys really and uh, i think it would have been great to see a better match 
Um, so here we go with my mega cheat. Okay. Let's assume that bad news Allen, bad news Brown, let's assume there was a battle royal and that he won it, but maybe it wasn't on WrestleMania. So we're not really changing history. We're just moving it, right? Okay. And he, he comes out and cuts a promo. He wants an opponent. And I always have mystery opponents on my shows. So he wants an opponent. He wants to have somebody face him. He's talking about how great he is. And wouldn't it be interesting if we could change history and out walks Bruiser Brody? So, oh. yeah. So as some of you might know, this, mar this, match, this event, I should say, took place at the end of March. In the middle of July, July 17th, Bruiser Brody would uh, be killed in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, obviously that was a very sad ending. So, you know, sentimentally, not that I'm a huge Brody mark or anything, uh, you know, by all accounts, he was very stiff in the ring and maybe, you know, didn't get along with too many people. But <laughs> I think it would have been really great to see him have a WrestleMania moment, though. And I think Bad News Brown would have been an ideal opening opponent for him. I really, really do. I mean, you could think of other people, but I mean, when you talk about somebody that's rough around the edges and the, these to think of these two brawling, I think would be really great. Um, now, it might be heel versus heel. I mean, Brody was often like the scary monster type uh, person in the ring, but you know, whatever, you can mess with the uh, face and heel logistics however you want. Uh, I do think it would have been cool to have Brody get a WrestleMania moment. Who knows how much more of a known name he would have been had he at least had one match in, uh, in the WWF. But, uh, but yeah, so that's my, that's my mega cheat. Never, never would have thought of that. Um, you know, I think Brody was basically just hopping around from territory to territory. Right, that's why I used him. So it would be very easy for them to sign Brody. Uh, the thing is, I think would be the issue here is that the WWF at this time never admitted that people existed yeah. outside of the WWF. So Bruiser Brody would appear, but you wouldn't have Gorilla Monsoon, I believe this was Monsoon Ventura, explain who Bruiser Brody is. They would have to be, be like, like what's, what's, who is this guy? You know, be like, what's Bruiser Brody doing in the Superstar Zone? <laughs> yes, yeah, like they couldn't, they couldn't do that. So I mean, ideally in a fantasy world, yes, they would explain who Bruiser Brody was. And me as a kid, I didn't know who Bruzy, Bruiser Brody was. Right. Because again, he was going from territory to territory. TV, I wasn't getting where I was at. So, but I do love the idea in a fantasy scenario. I think that's awesome. And I do agree that Bad News Brown would be a good opponent for Brody because as stiff as Brody could work, I think Brown could hang with him in that way. Right. So I think that would be, I think this would be another match that I think a lot of people would be scratching their heads on. Like, why are we getting this? And then as they would watch it, they would be like, wow, this is really awesome, you know? So I think you've got two surprise bouts back to back to each other. That uh, This is our really what's going on here. <laughs> yes. WrestleMania 4, what's going on here? Yeah, that's, that's your yeah, subtitle. This makes more sense. Yeah. So I got my main event, and this is where I do a lot of explaining. Uh, this is probably going to be like a half hour of me explaining how we got to this point. All right, buckle up. So it is a, a six-man gauntlet match for the WWF World Heavyweight title. In order of entry, we have Hulk Hogan versus One Man Gang with Slick 
versus Hercules with Bobby the Brain Heen, the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart, versus Andre the Giant, versus the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase with Virgil. So here's how we get here. After the main event, Jack Tunney decides to book the first ever, ever triple threat in WWF history of Hogan versus DiBiase versus Andre for the vacant title. Ted does not want to be in the ring with Andre the Giant at all. Even if the, And we could sow the seeds that Andre would turn on Ted if he needed to. So DiBiase encourages all the top managers to protest. You know, Hogan has ducked their guys and held their guys down over the years. They deserve a title shot for their guys. So they make such a ruckus that Tunney adds the other three guys in. And you can't have six men in the ring at the same time, so we're going to make it a gauntlet match. Now, after he does that, Frenchie Martin and Ferdino Bravo and Oliver Humperdinck for Bam Bam Bigelow speak up and say, hey, what about our guys? And Tony's like, well, we're not putting more people in this match, so we'll give you a number one contenders match. And then Jimmy Hart wants to put Honky Tonk Man in the match, and Tony's like, the IC title has to be defended at WrestleMania. So if you want to give up the belt, you can go in the gauntlet match, which he does to go into the gauntlet match. So... <laughs> It all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. We're off the rails here. Yes, completely off the rails. This is the most rebooking I've, I've ever done of any, any show that we've ever done. So let's go segment by segment here. Hogan beats one man gang in a pretty standard Hogan match. Same thing with Hercules. Honky Tonk Man comes in super cocky and gets beat pretty quick. So he gets his comeuppance for giving up the belt. He gives up the IC title, then loses in like five minutes. Andre comes out and just cheats. He gouges the eyes. He breaks the back. He chokes Hogan out with the strap on his tights. He gets a chair. He nails Hogan with the chair for the disqualification. DiBiase comes in. Hogan has wrestled four other guys and got beat with a chair. He still puts up a good effort, but ultimately Virgil distracts the referee and DiBiase nails him with the chair from earlier. So for Hogan the job, you have to stack everything against him. So I guess this is me thinking logically. So you get so Teddy DiBiase originally was going to win the tournament and be the new champion. So I would have him win this gauntlet match, become the champion. Hogan beats five of what four other dudes and gets beaten twice with a chair in order to lose. So that's that's how we would do that so then afterwards i would have all the heels rush out and beat up hogan and then have bigelow make the save and we go out with bigelow and dibiase having a stare down because bigelow's got the title shot so that's your SummerSlam main event i could book you a SummerSlam 88 right here too through my universe um so you would have the stare down between the two uh two of them uh oh and i should mention I forgot to mention about the order. I was going to do like a beat the clock challenge to determine the order. And then I was like, that's a hat on a hat. So that's just the order. And you can make it be that DiBiase paid off Jack Tunney or that suggested he paid off Jack Tunney since that is an extremely favorable draw for him and the worst draw possible for, for Hulk Hogan. So that is the craziest match. I guarantee you that will be the craziest match I'll ever book on any of these rebooks. Well, I, I think that that sounds like, uh, although chaotic, I think it sounds fun. And uh, I'll tell you why it sounds fun, because I also have a six-man match. Ah. Um, I did think during this show, I was thinking about changing it to a gauntlet match. No lie. 
I was like, could I make it a gauntlet match? I was like, when when we were talking here, I was like, well, then I'd have to figure out the order, and I don't feel like doing that right now in my head. <laughs> okay, so, um, so what I ultimately settled on is, you know, you could make this a a, a six pack challenge. Yeah. Talked about not having six men in the ring, um, but initially I was also going to do it as like a three on three elimination match, and the last person is the champion i had thought about doing it that way the survivor series as i mentioned the first survivor series took place just at the end of november in 1987 so it was that concept was around but we'll do the six-pack challenge here we have hulk hogan randy savage jake roberts andre the giant million dollar man and rick rude in the main event here um and you know, I don't know that I would have it come down to the Million Dollar Man and Randy Savage. Uh, I would still ultimately put Savage over here because mm-hmm. I have to get him to WrestleMania five. But I would probably have this come down to Savage and maybe Jake Roberts. Um, you know, Jake Roberts obviously never had the title. People have talked about that ad nauseum, <laughs> you know, over the years. Uh, so it would have been cool to see him like just barely get there. Uh, and I think you could still have Hogan and Andre kind of, you know, get into it enough where they get, you know, they eliminate themselves or put themselves out of contention somehow. Um, but I would still ultimately make this the Savage show in some way. And uh, you could have the Rude Roberts feud going on as well. You could have the Million Dollar Man getting involved with either Savage or Andre or Hogan or whoever. Uh, you could have a lot of different things going on here. And uh, obviously, it would probably be a lengthy match. But uh, but yeah, so it's funny that we had similar ideas for this at the end of the day. I think when you have a vacant title and you don't do a tournament, I think a multi-man match is the next idea down Right to, to fill your belt. Um I like the idea of Robert Savage uh, because, of course, they would have that great feud later on. Right. Um, but I think Rude Savage would be good, too. I think you could position Rude to be Savage's initial challenger coming out of WrestleMania 4. Yeah. You could also position Roberts as well. I think you could work a heel turn for, for yeah. Robert because it's not him turning against Rude. It's him turning against Savage and then he kind of loses sight of the whole Rude thing because he's going after title belt and Savage now. And then maybe Rude could feud with Hogan and you could do some weird stuff. Who knows? But it's a cool idea. I think, you know, we both, as you said, were around the same ballpark, just got to it a little different way and kind of used a few different people. But that's a very cool idea. Again, I know your thing was I have to put the belt in Savage. Mine wasn't. I don't. Yeah. Again, again, I'm booking in a vacuum. WrestleMania 5 doesn't exist. I don't know what's going to happen at WrestleMania 5. We're not there yet. So so I was okay with, with doing something else with, with, with Savage. And there's still ways that you could get the belt on Savage and do the thing with Hogan. I mean, heck, you could even do the Mega Powers thing with Bigelow and Hogan. You know, you could make your SummerSlam main event Bigelow and Hogan versus Biasi and Andre and do some stuff there. It's a whole new world. Who knows? That's the fun of these reboots. That's the case that Elizabeth doesn't take off her skirt. And then there goes my childhood. Yes. And Luna Vachon wasn't with Bam Bam yet. So (laughs) that would have been a totally different SummerSlam moment. (laughs) Luna Vachon just took off her skirt. (laughs) Put it back on. Yeah. 
Uh, well, anyway, I think that uh, I like your card a lot, though, especially the tagline, the multi-man mania. I think that sounds that sounds good, actually. Um, yeah, this this card stumped me, you know, in a big way because I was not sure of how to use certain people. But uh, but yeah, I think we came up with some good cards and our WrestleManias would be shorter ultimately than this one. I think. Yeah, can... even considering I have a lot of multi-man longer matches and I do have 11 total. If Leonard's matches probably would have been three hours and like. Yeah, I might still get to the double cassette, but it would, it, <laughs> would be, it would feel shorter. I think it would feel shorter. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think of our rebook. Follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you'd rather listen to us. We always appreciate uh, five-star reviews there. You could like our video on YouTube and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Our schedule has been a little bit erratic as of late because Leonard is now officially a married man. He said he would show the ring, and there it is in all of its glory. Yes. And uh, That's brushed copper. He is. He now has a better half, right? Yes. She was always my better half. Now she's my official better Officially, half. yeah. So, our, yes, our schedule was a little bit erratic. Yes, but hopefully we'll get back to a regular schedule from here on out. I don't plan on getting married again, so. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be, that would certainly be a swerve. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Russo-rific swerve right there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, for Leonard, my name is Chad. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week.